Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into a brand new episode of the Believe in Royals podcast. I'm Alex Fuse. There's Jeremy Danner. We have a lot to talk about today. The All-Star break wrapping up. Games are back in action, hopefully. Uh, last night's Yankee-Red Sox game got postponed due to COVID issues, so hopefully we have a full slate of baseball games on today. But first, the Royals had Whit Merrifield and Salvador Perez showcase in the All-Star game this past week. What was your first reaction, Jeremy, to Salvador Perez's incredible performance in that home run derby? I mean, my, my first reaction before he got up to hit was, oh, Lord, what, what is going to happen? Pete Alonso murdered it. Um, but then when Salvi got up there, I think he got off to a bit of a slow start. After his timeout, uh, he came back and really started crushing. And I was amazed. He looked like a slugger up there, you know, and I think if you look at um, the history of our team, you know, apart from guys like Moose and Jorge Soler, you know, standing out with, with being sluggers, we're really not a team that has sluggers. And, and you look at a guy like Pete Alonso, he's a big boy. He's huge. He looks like he's up there to mash the ball. And Salvador Perez held his own against him. I mean, 35 home runs in the first round is incredible. 28 is incredible. Most ever by a catcher in home run derby history. Granted, the rules have changed over time, you know, as far as how, how much time they get to hit and how it works. But um, I loved it, man. And I thought he did an amazing job on a, on a national scale. And even though he didn't make it out of the first round, I think we should all be super proud of the way he performed. And I hope he's excited and proud. Now, I got a question for you. A lot of heat on social media about the Home Run Derby and the coverage of Salvador Perez when he was at bat. Um, I was watching the regular um, version of ESPN. Our friend Joel Goldberg was watching the StatCast version of the Home Run Derby to where they did talk a lot about Salvador Perez. And I think you would have missed something if you didn't think Salvador Perez was at the plate and at bat during the Home Run Derby. So did you realize or did you feel like Salvador Perez on the regular broadcast, I don't know which one you watched, but did you feel like Salvador Perez got like kind of blacklisted in a way from the home run derby. You know, I, I watched the regular broadcast and I know that it's like, it feels like so Kansas city and such a Royals fan thing to do to feel like, Oh, once again, the media is not paying attention to us. Everyone loves to whine about Joe Buck in the 2014 world series. And if, uh, if I were calling that game and Madison Bumgarner were doing what he did in game seven, that's all I would be talking about too. So like, I, I get that, but I do feel like, during the broadcast, they did him a bit of a disservice. It was all split screen uh, with a lot of Pete Alonso um, interviewing him over, over Salvador Perez's home run derby uh, performance. Yeah, so I was a little bummed about that. All right, I'm just making sure because I know you're going to give your honest opinion when it comes to that. So being in Kansas City, I'm in Texas still, so I don't really understand the true polls of the people in Kansas But I did see a lot of tweets Um some vocal tweets about how ESPN did Salvador Perez wrong. So I'm just seeing, you know, what your take was. Yeah. I mean, when he started out kind of slow, it's like, okay, there's an interview going on in the background, but then 
when things picked up and it just stayed on Pete Alonso, I felt like it would have been the right thing to do to switch over and actually cover what he was doing. Is he mashed some balls? He had 16 home runs over 450 feet out of out of 28. Uh, his longest was just shy of 500 feet. So I I do think they did him a bit of a disservice. I didn't tweet about it because I didn't want to be called out for being a whiny Royals fan or you know being being a homer who hates on the national broadcast. Um, I should have watched the Satcast. I, I didn't know that was a thing. Was it? Um, it was the same same video feed, but a different audio. Is that what it was? Right. It was Jason Benetti, and I forget who else doing the broadcast. Hmm. Uh, and Jason Benetti is one of the best uh, voice of the White Sox on TV. So he was He's doing great. that broadcast. But I believe they were live um, at the ballpark. I believe so. Hmm. so I think I'll they were go back and look at the stadium. I'll have to go back and look at MLB. Uh, look at the MLB TV app and see if I can watch that. At, at the same time, though, like everyone, everyone who looked at it afterwards, and you know, there are a lot of people who don't watch the home run derby. Uh, there are a lot of people who don't watch the All Star game. They just look at the the coverage afterwards. So I think if you look at what he did afterwards, it's still impressive. But then you have to think about there were other um, other home run hitters who had as many home runs as he did, but they had extra rounds to accomplish that in. Mm-hmm. So if you if you just look at it from the recap perspective, it doesn't look like he hit. In my mind, he had the second most home runs in the first round because the other players had extra time. To, uh, to get where they got but mm. I just think it was a it was a bad luck of the draw being against Pete Alonzo um, but that dude was locked in the entire time incredible you know and I, I kind of not laughed but when he celebrated after he won and he said he was the best power hitter in the game of baseball that night he was uh, yeah. I don't know whether or not he's the best power hitter in, in the sport but that night he was the best power hitter we've seen in a lot of years I mean, he was definitely the best power hitter off of balls not thrown over 70 miles an hour, for sure. Right. But having said that, I can't jack one 490 feet off a, off a pitch like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's impressive. I thought the entire night was really exciting for baseball. Everything leading up with uh, having, you know, Shohei Otani in there. Um, even if he didn't make it out of the first round, that was still cool to watch, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's get back <laughs> to the regular season. Um, as we enter in the second half of the season, the Kansas City Royals are in last place. Uh, they have a record of 36 and 53. Um, and they open up the second half with a three game set against the Baltimore Orioles, who are also struggling this season. Obviously, I think it's going to be tough for the Royals to kind of fight back, but anything can happen in baseball, that's for sure. So, what do you expect from the Royals in the second half of the season? You know, I, um, and, and I, I say this all the time, that I trust that everyone who works with the Royals in baseball operations knows more about baseball operations than I do. Um, but as a fan who, who doesn't waver, I would like to see some more accountability as we open the second half. Um, and, then, and that's not saying I want to see guys thrown under the bus, but I want to see um, if we're going to make moves at the deadline, if we're going to trade people, let's trade people, you know, let's build for the future. Um, but I do want to see the lineup reflect performance more. Um, Nicky Lopez, you could make the argument that he could move up in the lineup. I do like him in the nine spot because it's exciting to have him there, you know, setting the table for wit as the order comes back around. But I, I think he's a guy you could move up. Um, I'm curious and excited to see what's going to happen with Bobby Witt Jr. Um, a lot of folks are saying that he's probably going to start, uh, you know, playing at the AAA level soon. So that would be exciting to see that. And then I'd like to see, and this is, you know, this is me being irritating probably, but I'd like to see Matheny go back to experimenting more with what he was doing with, with pitchers roles in the bullpen. 
you know, I think it started out the season. We saw a lot of um, not necessarily inning based decisions, but situation um, and, and the way guys were performing and let's see more of that mixed up, I think would be interesting. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the trade deadline coming up and potential um, trade moves. Danny Duffy in the news of potentially moving around. He did tweet though, that he wants to be buried a Royal. And the interesting thing about Danny Duffy though, is he has, he can veto any trade. So right. if, let's say he gets traded to the Padres, for example, well, they can be, he can say, I don't want to go. And he can stay in Kansas City because of the 510 rule. So um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Kansas City does at the deadline. Um, the question would be, what about Whit Merrifield? Does he have a long future in Kansas City? And I think if you ask a Royals fan, you want to see Whit Merrifield. But is it best for the long-term future when you have prospects in the minor leagues that can perform at the level? I don't know about the Whit Merrifield level, but still perform at a at a level to where we can trade away Whit Merrifield and be in a better off spot. Um, some Padre fans obviously are vocal on Twitter when it comes to the deadline as well. And I want your opinion on this. They were calling for a Salvador Perez trade. What? So, yeah. So there was a lot of uh, rumors around that, not rumors in front offices, but with the fans that they want Salvador Perez, the Padres do. So, out of this Royals team, is it fair to say that no one is untouchable or are there players on the team that are considered untouchable? Man, I mean, uh, you know, speaking as, as strictly a fan and, and my romantic thoughts about baseball and, and my personal feelings, I would be gutted to see Salvador Perez or Whit Merrifield traded away. Um, I feel the same about, about Danny Duffy, but I know that we, this is our last year of team control for him. Um, Contract years are undefeated, as we know. Um, but I could also see him going there uh, to finish out the season as a rental and then signing with the Royals again next year. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it would be wild to trade away Salvador Perez. He is he's the leader of our team, you know, on the field, in the clubhouse. And if you ask the fans, you know, who's, who's the Royal star player, it's Salvador Perez. And Whit Merrifield is right behind that. Um, and people here in Kansas City love Whit Merrifield. And I think they'd be really bummed to see him go at the same time though, as a guy who is not only a fan of the Royals, but a fan of, of these dudes as individuals, I would love for Whit Merrifield to get a world series championship. He deserves it. I think it's too bad that he wasn't on the team. Uh, we, you know, wasn't called up in 2014 and 2015. So yeah, I mean, I would be very excited for him to get traded to a winner and have that chance to make a run and, and, you know, get showcased on the national scale. Can you imagine how much fun it would be to watch, I mean, I'd much rather watch Whit Merrifield play in the World Series for the Royals every time, 100 times out of 100. But to watch him, you know, perform and, and crush it for another team in the World Series would be cool. But I, I sincerely hope that we don't trade him away. It's just, I, I agree. And it's almost kind of growing on me, the idea of potentially trading Whit Merrifield away. Because you look at the way Nicky Lopez is playing, you could easily just move him over to second. And when Bobby Wood Jr. calls up, gets called up, you can place him at short. But then you can also make the argument to where you could put Whit Merrifield in the outfield in that situation. So I, I think it's so difficult, and it must be so difficult for the Royals front office to say, okay, like right now, being in last place in the division, you can obviously say that they can make a move, right? Or they should make a move in that situation to get another prospect or another, you know, starter or reliever to 
fill into that bullpen area. But you look at how they played in, you know, the first half of the season way back in April and May to where they did have the best record in baseball to where it seemed like the Royals were so close to being back to where Whit Merrifield can be more valuable than a starter or reliever because they have their starting pitching depth once they get matriculated into the system and build up their arsenal to a major league level. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know um, if the Royals should trade Whit Merrifield or not because what's the best situation? Like I, I honestly don't know. Obviously, we can't predict to the future, but still – uh, it, it's certainly something to where it kind of you think it's like, man, is it better to keep them or better get rid of them? And you make a great point as far as the middle infield goes. We do have uh, a, a glut of folks coming up uh, in the future, hopefully. Um, and then there's still always the question of Adalberto Montesi. Right. Does he have the ability to stay healthy in the long term? Uh, and Wit can be moved around. I think if if I were in charge of the team a guy that I would be looking to trade away for potential pieces down the road is Scott Marlowe. This is his last season under team control. Uh, he's eligible for arbitration next year and he's great. Um, I would be sad to see him leave. Here, here's the deal about, you know, coming up on the trade deadline is when, is when a team becomes sellers, that's the writings on the wall. Um, and folks could argue that the writing has been on the wall for a while now uh, with the records and the standings. Um, how many games back are we? We're 18 games back out of first place. Um, that's that's not easy to come back from. No, it, it's much. I think it's much easier to uh, to end up where we are from where we started than it is to return to where we started from where we are right now. And it, we said this time and time again that I don't think that the April team was the Royals, and I don't think the past couple of months was the Royals. But uh, I hope we find out who are the Royals this year. You know, over, over the next couple of weeks of baseball, we have was it like forty five days with forty one games, so they are getting back into it hard too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they play consistent baseball, uh, which is something we haven't seen in the first half of the season, you know, when I read an interesting article on The Athletic with owner Joel Sherman, and, and, you know, I think it was Alec Lewis asking the questions to him about, you know, what have your thoughts been about this Royals team? And what do you see? Like, is this still the future? And, And kind of just an update on his process, mind process with everything. And he says, number one, obviously I I said back in December that we're going to find out who this Royals team midsummer. And he was saying how obviously the expectation didn't live up to where they wanted to go. But you look at a guy like Carlos Santana, you don't look at the numbers, but you can kind of see he's living up to the numbers on his baseball car, right? Playing a very reliable first baseman with some power, um, he's had so a few memorable moments, walk-off moments this season. Salvador Perez, as you mentioned, Jeremy, earlier on this episode, that he's the face of the team. Like, he's that clubhouse leader. You look at guys like Whit Merrifield, who is, again, starting every single day, even though he's banged up or, or struggling at the plate. He's still in there every single day, not taking an off day. So he's a consistent piece in that lineup. And guys like Nicky Lopez, who has struggled this season, but man, has he been playing incredibly well over the last few weeks and months. So I think, and he also talked about the bullpen, how the bullpen in the beginning of the season was sharp and, and consistent, but then when the starting rotation got away from them for a few weeks, the bullpen was relied on too much. So I, I think 
obviously you can look at both sides of it. The offense has struggled, but so has a starting pitching that then relies more on the bullpen. So it, it kind of, it seems like we are so close to being there, but yet at some times it seems like we're so far away in a sense. So I think the Royals are in a right spot. They just got to, honestly, I think they just got to figure themselves out. I think they got the team. They just got to figure themselves out. You know, that, that kid's story is that Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day yeah. where just everything goes wrong. That, that's what it feels like when, when things are not going well, everything's going poorly. And it, it's amazing that we haven't had any major personnel changes, you know, nothing major has happened from the start of the season to where we are now. So it's the same group of guys that had that best record in baseball who now have the worst record in the central. Uh, and, and it's just confusing. And I've seen, you know, friends that I've talked to are online. They're calling for, um, you know, managers and coaches to get fired. And, and I know that the changes can, can, you know, spur some improvement, but really if, if things are where they are right now, I don't really want to throw the team in a more disarray uh, than, than it is right now. And, and, and maybe this is stupid of me, but I'm, I'm optimistic that after a break and after some time to sit and chill and, you know, clear their minds, um, I'm excited to see them, you know, start back at home tonight. I'm going to take my son out to the game and, and check it out. And we're going to cheer our guts out for Salvi when he comes up for his first at bat. Cause I mean, we have so much to be proud of, of him with the way he performed this weekend. And then um, I just think it's cool to see how much other people in the league love Salvador Perez and, and love what Merrifield, I think, Something I, I didn't mention earlier when we were talking about, you know, Whit being on the All-Star team is he was voted in by the players again. And, and I know that that means a lot to those guys to have their peers uh, select them. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's not a respect to Whit Merrifield. I, I mean, obviously, I always ask this to people that are a casual baseball fan that don't know too much about the Kansas City Royals. I always ask them, who leads the league in hits since 2017? And it's Whit Merrifield. And um, to a casual baseball fan that knows who Whit Merrifield is, I think that would, they would be surprised by that. You know, the fans at Mookie or Mike Trout or Aaron Judge, those type of – obviously Tatis is not. But right. still, um, just the idea that Whit Merrifield leads the league in hits since 2017, it kind of makes you question, okay, you know, why is this guy not talked about more? You know, and maybe he will be if he does get traded. You know, maybe that's what he needs, what needs to happen for him to become a true member in the game of baseball to the casual fans. And we can sit here and talk about all day about the marketing issues and all that stuff in baseball, but let's not do that. You know, I think, um, I I think baseball is doing a lot better. Um, They are improving in that category. So I I think that baseball is on the right track. I honestly do. And I think that the future of the game is strong if they stay the path they're on uh, and and being able to learn and improve as the seasons go along. So Whit Merrifield, um, like you said, voted in by the players, which is just an incredible honor to have, especially if if you're Whit. I think it's amazing. Um, You know, it's fun to see people around the baseball world know and, and realize what we've known about Whit Merrifield for the past couple of years. Um, you know, it, it's a shame he didn't get more opportunities at the plate. He just had one, one plate appearance and uh, he got struck out on a, a nasty breaking ball and, uh, and he knew it, you know, walking away. I think he, I think he said, damn it. You know, and you could see that he was frustrated, but um, it was a great pitch that he, that he got struck out on. Um, 
but yeah, it, it's just, it's interesting being a small market town and not getting the, the media coverage and fanfare that we get to see what people do think about the team. I'm not going to mention the Twitter handle that tweeted it out because I don't want to give them any more, uh, any more recognition than they obviously don't deserve. But there's a Twitter handle that tweeted out the most overrated players in MLB this morning. And do you know who they picked for the Royals? Who? Nicky Lopez. Overrated? Overrated. And I want to know, no disrespect to Nicky, but who in baseball right now, outside of Kansas City or the Midwest, who's talking about Nicky Lopez that he's overrated? And, and even if they were talking about him, you know, saying how great he is, they'd be right right now. Like, dude is doing everything you want from a number nine hitter. I was shocked when I read that list. There were a lot of superstars on there. And then Nicky Lopez for the Royals. Like, how do you pick, you know, are, are, you, are you trolling us or what's going on here, man? Right. I mean, like, you could sit down and say, okay, well, these guys, those guys might be a little overrated in a sense to where, you know, we give them a little too much hype. But Nicky Lopez, come on. Yeah, dude is getting zero hype, um, you know, outside of, of Royals fans. So I was just really shocked to see that. And I'm like, man, this is like when uh, NFL reporters, you know, say like the most overrated quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. And you're like, you're just looking for the rage clicks here. Yeah. That's why I'm not going to say your name. I'm not going to give you any more attention than you deserve. But I'm going to mention that that was total hooey, dude. I'm well, just shocked to see that. On the internet, random person on the internet, how dare you say Nick yeah. Lopez is overrated. <laughs> I hope you're listening, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they probably are. Well, they probably right. are. They probably <laughs> love Nicky Lopez. They just wanted to get, you know, Jeremy Danner to talk about on the Royals podcast. Yeah, that's uh, – I've made but jokes on them. You're not giving them the shout-out, so. <laughs> awesome. Um, anything else we want to touch on on this great Friday? Well, I guess it's not Royals news, but Jeff Passan tweeted out, that as of now, the Yankees and Red Sox are expected to play today after six COVID-19 positives uh, waylaid New York on Thursday. Uh, they did say, or Jeff did add that there is optimism, and that optimism, as is the case with all the COVID outbreaks, is cautious. All six of the Yankee cases have now been confirmed, which means Gio Urshela, Kyle Higashioka, Jonathan Luizaga, Nestor Cortez Jr., Wandy Peralta, and Aaron Judge will all go Ooh. on the COVID IL. So the most notable piece of that news that I think kind of intriculates in baseball news is Aaron Judge was at the All-Star game. Uh -huh. And there were, I mean, you saw it. The players were close contact uh, the two days. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens today. And, um, because, you know, it, the players went away for four days and then they came back. So uh, I don't know what to expect from today and baseball. Um, yesterday was a weird day. That's for sure. Um, was Khalifa tested positive? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, was Khalifa tested positive? Rich Eisen had the vaccine or got the vaccine, tested positive for COVID, and had symptoms of it. And wow. and then you look at last night's Yankee Red Sox game. Even though the Yankees are at the eighty-five percent threshold of the vaccine, the game got postponed. And then the city of Los Angeles remandated their mask mandate. 
So a weird day yesterday. It's like it, you watch the All-Star game in the Home Run Derby and you see the thousands of people there, no players wearing masks. It seems like things are back to normal. And then the next day, it's like, no, like we're still here. So um, I was watching the Michael K show yesterday, and obviously they do a great job. And, and Michael K asked, a, you know, a, a question where did we start too soon? You know, and, and I think that can be something like, did we start too soon? Like, is it over or did we just get tired of it? You know, and it's a fair question. Honestly, it's a fair question. Um, I'm over it, but is it right to be over it? You know what I mean? So uh, I, 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 it's a tough question. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we have the answers. I really don't. So, no, it's tricky. It's tricky, man. If you look at what's happening in, in the state of Missouri right now with COVID cases surging yeah. in, in rural areas, and not not to be a downer, but you know, so many times I'll be out, you know, and this is not baseball related. I'll, I'll be out doing my job selling beer, and we'll catch ourselves saying, you know, um, during the pandemic, like like we're out of it, and the reality is we're not out of it. And I think it is wild. Everything that happened this week, you know, the, the home run derby and the All Star game, I feel like a kid watching those, and it's like. It's like baseball Disneyland and mm-hmm. nothing can go wrong. And, you know, even if a guy strikes out during the game, at least he got to hit during the all-star game, you know, like sure you want to win every game you play as a baseball player, but it's fun to watch those guys be kids again. Mm-hmm. And um, they were, who were they talking to? Is it, uh, is it Chris Bryant they were talking to who was playing uh, right field? Mm-hmm. And he was saying, you know, like I, I've been playing so many positions this year. It's like being a kid. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. And then to come crashing back down and realize COVID-19 is still impacting Major League Baseball rosters at this point. It's it's really wild to me, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on the podcast, <laughs> but it's something we got to talk about, you know, and to make note that it's still here, you know, and, and Don LaGreca, I don't know if you've ever seen the Michael K show being in Kansas City, but Don LaGreca, who, who broadcasts for the, uh, the Rangers, New York Rangers the hockey team, where he goes, you know, What's the end game here? You know, if the teams are, are vaccinated, and he said basically the, the postponements of the game are protecting those who aren't vaccinated, uh, basically, right? Um, so uh, he said that if, if teams aren't 100% vaccinated, that this is still going to be a thing. So is it just going to become a rain delay? You know what I mean? To where, or a rain cancellation, where it's like, is the game going to be played? Well, I don't know. You know, I, I, you said you're going to the game tonight. Well, if something happens, you know, then I think it was a lot easier last year dealing with this stuff when there were no fans. Sure. Uh, and, and now the Yankee fans or Red Sox fans that were going to the game last night, they still haven't put anything out about when the game's going to be made up or what's going to happen to their tickets. So it, it's so difficult. Um, and it's Yankees, Red Sox, definitely not the scenario Major League Baseball wanted last night. The only game being played, played. Yankee, Red Sox, right after a really fun home run derby and all-star game. And it's like that reminder that still here, you know, so it's like, man, like you kind of wish it didn't happen just because it it reminds you of what it was last year, but it's also that reminder that it's still here in a way. It, it is weird to think about, you know, and I wonder what the percentage of, of vaccinated fans to vaccinated players w- would break down to be, but you know, like fans are ready. We're happy to be back. I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. Um, 
I feel good about being at the K. Um, but then you realize that there are, you know, team officials, players, front office folks who may not be vaccinated and that's their personal choice. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to bag on them for that. Um, we all do what we do, but, but it is wild to have this um, juxtaposition of like full stands, fans ready to go, super excited. Meanwhile, um, the product on the field is not, is not ready to go. Um, I, I don't watch football, but I saw people talking about, you know, the NFL season as it comes up. If, if teams have players that test positive and they on, or they're unable to play or they're unable to hold the game, should teams have to forfeit that? You know, if it's your job as an athlete to come to the stadium ready to play. And if you're unable to perform, um, at, at what point does, and you said this earlier, at what point does it become the folks who are unvaccinated? Does it become their responsibility or does it become, you know, th- this is on them and it's, it's tricky, man. I mean, it's personal medical decisions are just that they're personal, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, obviously I don't ever want to see, I, I don't think I want to see where they mandate it. You know what I mean? To where you have to get it to play in major league baseball, because I, I just don't see that being like one. I don't think that you know to go for it because no. his job, or his job is to protect everyone. So even if you have 90% of the players saying, no, we want, but that 10%, the unit has to protect that 10%. So I don't think it's ever going to get to that. But it's man, it's an interesting conversation, and I think you know how we can't talk about this now because it's it's done with. But remember, in high school or college, you would always have that argument: should college athletes be paid? And we can't talk about that anymore because now they right. can't be. So in like twenty years, I think there's going to be an essay. Maybe maybe now, should athletes be required to get the COVID vaccine? You know, that's the essay topic. You know, and now right. the argument to it's so interesting to where we come out of this or we're coming out of this pandemic. <laughs> um, and, and it's like, we look back at this time, like 20 years from now, and we're going to analyze it. You know, where did we go right? Where did we go wrong? Uh, there's going to be a lot for both sides, I think. So it's going to be really interesting to see and look back on, okay, this is what we should have done. This is what we need to improve on and, and what we should have done. So I, I think it's so interesting to me to see like you take a step out and look down um, to where it's going to be in five years from now. Yeah. I mean, I can remember, I I haven't seen these shirts in a long time, but they used to like in high school or in college, you know, you'd have, you'd wear the shirt that says property of Lexington high school, you know? Um, And it's, it's funny because I think some fans think of players that way and athletes that way, especially when you talk about the product on field. But these aren't product, you know, these aren't property, you know, th- this is people we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, so it, is, it is complicated, but at one point, does it become, you know, incumbent upon the team or upon the player to make sure that that, that player is ready to perform? You know, if I, if I were a major league baseball player and I showed up to camp a hundred pounds overweight, I'm going to hear about it. And that's as a result of choices I made regarding my personal physical health and my condition and my diet. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's such a tricky gray area, man. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, a lot to talk about for sure on this Friday episode of the Believe in Royals podcast. The Royals open up uh, the second half of the season with a three-game set with the Baltimore Orioles, the last place Baltimore Orioles uh, in the American League East. So maybe the Royals can get something going to get off to a hot start in the second half of the season. Any other final comments, Jeremy, that you really want to make note to the amazing fans and listeners of this podcast? You know, I'm, I'm just so excited to see um, Salvi and Witt return to the K this weekend. I hope that people go out and support them and support these guys. 
yeah, we're in last place, but we're, like you said, we're also playing another last place team. So these are games we can and should win uh, to get things going again. Obviously, the second half of the season is not a restart, uh, but, but mentally it, it can be. And, uh, you know, I'm, it's not as optimistic as opening day is where everybody's in first place. But I, but I do have a lot of optimism going to that. And I think um, it's incumbent upon us as, as Royals fans. You know, we always want to say if the team's not doing well, we don't want to give them our money to go support them. But that's counterintuitive because the team needs our money and they need our support to do well. And you've heard guys talk about how much more uh, it means to them to have fans in the stands this season as opposed to last. And uh, I just think it's time for fans to show up again, man, and, and do what we can to support our team. I think even if the Royals don't make the playoffs, Jeremy, there's still so much excitement about this team to where that even if they struggle in the second half or even if we see some light in the second half for the Royals, there's still so much excitement. Um, and I think we're going to see that. That's my prediction, that we're going to see the future of the Royals in the second half of the season. So it's going to be a fun and exciting to watch. I can't wait. Let me ask you one more thing before we finish yeah. up. Before the season started, you tweeted that you think the Royals will be the second wild card. How confident are you uh, in, in that prediction now? Well, obviously, they're about 14 and a half games out of the yeah. second wild card spot. <laughs> so not exactly ideal if you're the Kansas City Royals. But you look at their upcoming schedule. I'll pull it up just to, um, to make a point here. I mean, they got three games against Baltimore. And then you look at, okay, um, it depends what they do about the deadline. But then they got... Uh, two games in Milwaukee, uh, which is going to be a tough two-game set. But then they mm -hmm. got three games against Detroit, and then four games against the Chicago White Sox. And then they got three games against the Blue Jays, and then they have the White Sox, Cardinals, Yankees, Cardinals, Astros, Cubs, Astros. These are all good teams, dude, yeah. They're all good teams. So August is going to be a very difficult month for the Royals. But it could also be a huge month. Like, who's to say that they can't play the way they did in April? You know what I mean? So if they go on a 10-game winning streak, well, now they're almost back to 500. So um, you look at the Angels. They have over $80 million on the IL. They have $30 million playing across the city. And, and the Angels um, are just one game over 500. Uh, and they haven't had... Uh, a healthy team for more than like 10 games this whole season. So uh, the Angels were like 10 games or six or seven games below 500 just a few weeks ago. And now they're like five games out of the wild card spot. So obviously I'm going to be realistic here and, and to say like, I'm not 100% confident that the Royals are going to be that second wild card team. But in baseball, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Royals aren't making the playoffs because there's always that slim chance in baseball to where you just can't predict it. And I'm not going to sit here and to say a hot take and, and then be roasted in three months from now when uh, my gut was right the first time. So right. don't get roasted, bro. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't bother me anyways. I don't want to sleep over it, but if, if I went with, I'm going to stick with, it, you know, awesome. like I'm not going to be like some other reporters that tweet out hot takes to begin with and then they switch at five different times like this week i'm telling you that the royals aren't going to make it but then they win five games oh they're back so right right i'm going to stick with my gut but i'll be realistic at the same time right on i accept that thank you yeah you got <laughs> it
Before Jeremy, I'm Alex Fuse. Have a great rest of your Friday and weekend, and we will be seeing you next week. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.